Well, good morning, Harborside. I think it's almost afternoon, but we'll still call it morning. Uh, we're in this series alignment, and uh, this is week seven of eight. And uh, through this series, we've been talking about aligning ourselves to God. And today we talk about aligning ourselves to God through the act of worship. How do we worship God more openly? How do we worship God more freely? How does it flow out of us? And uh, we're going to do something a little unique today. We're going to split the message up a little bit. We're starting out a little bit early with the message. Uh, then we're going to come back to some worship and then finish it up. But uh, this morning, I just want to start off by just giving you a, a truth or a fact. And then a little later, I'm going to give you another fact. And that's going to kind of jump us into where we're going to go today. So I'm going to start real quick by uh, just helping us to align with God. And the way we really start to align with God is for us to understand really who God is. The more we can align ourselves to see God more clearly, the better off we'll be, the more aligned we'll be if we have a good vision of who he is. So I want to give you a statement right off the bat, and uh, I think it's a pretty clear statement, and the statement and the fact is just simply this, is that God is God. There's only one, and he's it. And for us to really start to understand really the impact that God has in our lives, how he can work in our lives so that we can worship him better, so that worship becomes more of a realistic portion of our lives, it comes back to us understanding more clearly just who God is. Now, there's something to be said about understanding who God is. In all reality, many people nowadays have this view that God can just be the creation of whatever they think in their mind. Well, the way I view God is such and such, or the way I view God is such and such, or the way I see God is in such a manner, such a way. The characteristic is here, here. But you know, to be honest with you, God is not subjective to our uh, belief system. He's not bound by what we think about him. The truth is, God is God. And one of our values here at Harborside has to do with biblical authority. How that translates into understanding God is that we have to have some truth that enables us to see God in a very objective way, not subjective way. Because what does it really matter if I have a viewpoint of God that is totally different than your viewpoint of God? There has to be some authority. And what we believe here is that the word of God provides for us the authority for us to understand who God is. So when we say God is God, what we are saying is that we believe what the Bible says about God. Regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I think, regardless of my subjective nature and what I think God should be to me, there is none of that. The reality is, is that truth is truth and we believe that the authority of the Bible stands the test of time and everything we believe about God has to come in line underneath the authority of Scripture. So the belief that God is God enables us to look at, the, look at God's word, look at scripture, and then get a better alignment of who he is from scripture. So what is God or who is God to get a better understanding? Well, I want to give you just three simple words really to help us kind of understand him a little bit more. If I were to say to you, give me a characteristic of God, probably most of us would say, well, God is love because that's what we sing about. That's what we hear about. But let's go a little bit deeper into some understanding about the characteristics of really who God is. And I'll just give you three words. The first one I think is really understandable. It's the fact that God is big. God is big. 
I want you to see this verse. Uh, it comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 40. And this is the prophet Isaiah writing. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God is a big God. Now, what does that mean? I mean, how big is God? Well, to be honest, when you think of the biggest thing you can think of, and it's not quite enough because he's bigger than that. You see, what happens is when we try to describe God, we don't really comprehend the totality of how big he is. So we use our human terms to try and understand a little better who God is. So when I say God is big, I'm talking really, really big. And is he that big? Well, yeah, but he's bigger than that even. To understand, really, we, we talk about some of the idea of just how big is big. Well, I've understood that big is kind of relative. For something that is big, it may be big in comparison to something else. For instance, if I say this room is big, it may be big. But when you compare this room to like uh, the Buck Stadium, it's not quite as big. When you compare a city as Tampa, well, that's a big city. But when you compare it to New York, it's not quite as big. So how do we start to understand just how big God is? Well, through this alignment series, we've been talking about different uh, kind of illustrations to kind of help us understand this alignment. And this one has to do with just our solar system. How big really is our solar system? Now, if you were like me, you, you did that thing when you were in grade school where you made the, the planets in a shoebox. Anybody ever do that? You get these styrofoam balls and you just pluck them in there and you paint them different colors. And Saturn never really came out right, but you tried anyway. So you get all these and everybody said, hey, that's just not scale. And you're like, well, really? You know, of course it's not scale. But how big is big? I mean, when I'm a kid, I'm like, well, I don't know. Do I need a bigger box? I mean, what's the, what's the deal? Well, let's, let's look at it like this. Let's, let's start off with baseball because everything you can understand, everything through baseball. So I'm kind of a baseball freak. So I have a baseball up here. And this is one of my prized baseballs, actually. Evan Longoria threw catch with this, then he threw it at me, and I threw it back at him to sign it. So this is one of my prized baseballs that I have. It's true. It's real deal. Real deal. You know, it's bad when a pastor gets up here and says, it's true. It's true. Really, it is. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why we say that. True story. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm lying. All right. So anyway, let's take this baseball. Let's say this baseball represents earth. Okay? Now, you, you, you might get, okay, I understand that. Because as, as a kid, you know, we, we make these diagrams and we have this ball that represents earth. But think of it a little, a little differently. All right. Think about your life, your existence. Some of you have been on this earth for 20 years. Some of you have been on it for 50. Some of you maybe 80 years. Everything in your life, every existence that you have is contained on this baseball. You remember those little road trips you took as a kid and you never, and you just seemed like you were driving forever. You kept pestering your parents. Are we there yet? Are we there, are we there yet? It was all contained on a small part of this ball. Think about those, that big trip you took, maybe to Hawaii, or maybe you went to Europe or something, and it just seemed like the flight was forever and ever, and you're going five, 600 miles an hour, and finally you get there. It was all contained on a small portion of this ball. Your entire existence, every memory you have, everything that you've experienced in life, every part of your life happened on this little ball right here. Now, let's expand it, just kind of get an understanding just how, how, how small this is in relation to everything else. What's the closest entity to the earth? <laughs> yeah, it's the moon. <laughs> it's, uh, 
The second hour was really bad. Yeah. All right. So let's take this as the earth. So here's the moon. All right. This is from my kid's Lego set. All right. Here's the moon. It's about, it's about diameter. It's about a quarter of, of, the, of, the, of the earth. So if this is the earth right here, the moon would actually orbit the earth about, about right over here. So you can, you can start to see everything in your life is here. And yet already the closest entity, which is the moon, starts, re, starts rotating around the earth all the way out there, all the way in this diagram. All right, let's go a little bit further. What's the, uh, what's the planet that is like the mirror of earth? It's not Mars. Venus, Venus, Venus. So let's take Venus. Venus is this tennis ball. It's the one, it's, the, it's, the, it's, a, it's a little closer. So it's about the same size, a little bit smaller than earth. Now to get an understanding how close Venus is to Earth, if you were kind of taking this as scale, somebody would have to take this up the hill where we came in over here and come to the entrance for Cypress Knoll. It's where we used to have the stop sign. And somebody would have to put Venus, this tennis ball, over there to kind of start to get an understanding just how far apart uh, these two planets are. And this is one of our closer planets, this and Mars. Now you start to get an experience to see just how big big is. All right, let's go a little bit further. Um, Everybody heard of the sun? (laughs) Yeah. Now, if we were to take the scale of really what the sun was, uh, you know, let's say we're going east and west with Venus. If we were to go a little bit north, if you were to take the sun, you would have to take the sun out to where McMullen and Enterprise is. There's a three-story building out there, you know, where Poblano's is and Beef O'Brady's right around there. That's about the size that the sun would have to be, about 27 feet high if this was the earth. And it would be that far away from us. So think about it. If you had a clear sight line from here to McMullen and Enterprise, you would probably see a building that would be about the size that we would see the sun in the sky. Now we're getting a little bigger. Now you're thinking, that's a little bigger for my world here. All of a sudden, everything that appears so big isn't quite as big. Let's take it a little bit further. Let's talk about that, that, that real out there planet, Pluto. Somebody said Pluto is no longer a planet. I like to think of it as a planet because it just sounds like a very magical place, Pluto. So let's just say here's Pluto. Now, Pluto for me was always the ninth planet. So I'm going to stick with that. That's what I learned. So now take Pluto. To really put it in scale, if, if this is Earth, somebody would have to drive Pluto all the way to the Sunshine Skyway Bridge and stand up there and hold Pluto out there. 27 miles south of here would be Pluto. Now, think about this. This is just our solar system. And all of this is aligned. All of this is aligned, centered around the sun. And God holds it all in, 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 in his control. Now, this all of a sudden, this starts to feel a little big. Now, you're out of my pay grade because then outside of this, I have no idea. I can't quite comprehend light years and all of these other things. And yet all of a sudden we get beyond our solar system and our galaxy. And all of a sudden there's all these other galaxies that kind of go on and on and on. And then my mind starts going where I start to think as far as I can think out. And I think, well, there's gotta be an end somewhere, but then there's not an end. So it keeps going and going and going. You see, the problem is for as big as we can think, we cannot comprehend just how big God is. God is a big God. And so when we look at God and we start to align ourselves with him, we start to just simply try to grasp the fact that we worship and we honor a big God. To bring in a little personal, let me give you a second word. Not only is God big, but he comes at a personal level where now God is not only big, but he's also gracious to you. He's also gracious to you. Look at this verse. It comes from um, uh, in, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9. 
This is the apostle Paul talking about God's grace to him. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. I don't think we understand totally what grace is all about, the graciousness that God gives. Realistically, what grace is, it's the gifts that God bestows upon us who follow him. And again, I don't think we fully comprehend just how much God has bestowed on us. When you start talking about here on this earth, about the gifts that he gives, but also into eternity, the grace that God has given to us. And Paul's just talking about one little incident in his world where he realized even in the weakness, God's grace was sufficient for him. To understand God, you've got to understand God's bigness, but you also need to understand the grace that he gives to us. The flip side of grace is the third word, which is mercy. Mercy is a little bit different because where grace is giving us things that we don't deserve, mercy is withholding that which we do deserve. And mercy is something that God has every right to give us because what we are doing is we are just falling a little bit short and sometimes a lot short of God's idealness of holiness. And because God is a just God, he has every right to separate us from himself. But the mercy that God gives allows us to experience the fullness of who he is. Look at this verse. It comes from um, uh, Titus, actually in the end of the New Testament. It says, when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we start to get a good picture about God, we see a big God out there who is very personal with us. A God who has everything in the palm of his hand, yet he looks at us and he treats us with incredible grace and incredible mercy. And to start off this morning, when we talk about God is God, it is understanding that God is a big God who treats us with grace and mercy. In just a minute, we're going to be taking up our offering. And during that time, we're going to spend some time worshiping. We're going to spend some time just singing some songs that allow us to focus more in on who God is. So just for this time, we're going to kind of just allow God to be God. We're going to come back in just a few minutes and talk about what all this means to us personally. But for right now, let's just leave that alone. Let's just leave ourselves out of the equation. Let's leave ourselves out of the picture. Let's not worry about everything else that we worry about and just worship God for who he is. A God who is big, a God who is gracious, and a God who is merciful. Let me pray for us. We'll take our offering and then we'll enter into some time of worship. Father, again, we just thank you for uh, just who you are. And when we just get a grasp of who you are, I know it allows us to worship you more freely. So for these next few moments, as we spend some time just um, worshiping you, just really acknowledging who you are, uh, may you just fill us with a clear understanding the best we can of a God that loves us so much, who is big, who is gracious, and who is merciful. We love you. Bless this time of worship in your son's name. Amen. So the first fact uh, we talked about was that God is God. God is filled in God's characteristics is that he's big, he is gracious, and he's merciful. Beyond that then, what does that mean to us? Uh, how do we then live our lives based upon that to find alignment? 
Well, this comes to our second fact. And if God is God, the second fact is you are not God. Uh, You are not God. And for some of you, I hate to break that to you, but uh, it ain't happening. Um, And to be honest, you know, we can chuckle a little bit about that because I think all of us, to some degree, sometimes live our lives as though it is about us. Uh, We would never articulate the fact that we think we're God, but at times we do live a life that is characteristic of a life where we think we are the center and everything else surrounds us. Everything revolves around us. Therefore, every situation that we see, every circumstances that we find ourselves in reverts back to how does it affect my life? Because this is about me. But God is God. God is big. God is gracious. God is merciful. We are not God. We are God's creation. And again, looking at the scripture, how do we put ourselves underneath that authority? So as we kind of look at this and we see God being a big God, God being a gracious God, God being a merciful God, we then turn our attention to understand what does that mean to us? What does that mean to us as followers of Jesus Christ when we talk about understanding and and coming into alignment with God? How do you move yourself? Because if there's something out of alignment between us and between God, God is God and we are not. So that means that somewhere along the way, we are out of alignment, not God. We don't come to God and we don't say, hey, God, you know what? Um, I'm doing pretty good here. I think you could straighten up a little bit. It just doesn't work like that. And again, we may never articulate that, but sometimes our actions and the way we, we go about life says that we are the ones that are not going to be moved. But yet when we understand God's bigness, his graciousness, and his mercy, we then can allow ourselves to flow into a place where we are in good alignment with God, and out of that alignment then flows free worship. So let's look at these things and how it, re- how it connects with us. The first one, God is big. God is big. Well, what does that mean to you? I mean, how do you, how do you uh, really take that in and how, how does it change your life or how does it affect your life? Well, I would throw out, let me give you a couple words or a word here. If God is so big and he has everything under control, your response should just be that you can just simply relax. Seriously, relax. You know, I have, I, have a, I have a couple kids. I've got a fourth grader and a sixth grader. And uh, I'm sure my parents were like this with me, but I look at them sometimes and, and just the issues that they face. And I think to myself, what is the big deal? And I, I'm not kidding. I don't know how many times I have used the word, would you just relax? Just relax. Because me as a parent, I can look at a situation that maybe my daughter is dealing with. You know, she'll come home from school. Oh, this person didn't sit with me today at lunch. And I'm like, it's okay. Relax. And there's just instances that they go through in life. And, and you look at kids too, maybe middle school, maybe in high school, whatever it is. Or, or maybe, even, maybe even adults. And you just look at the situation and you're like, listen... Really, honestly, it is not that big of a deal to put this so much emotional charge into this situation. Just relax. It will be okay. 
And we want so hard for our kids to understand that in life situations, this, these are not life and death situations. You can just take a step back and it is okay to relax because me as your dad or your mom or somebody else, we've got it under control. You know, sometimes I wonder if God looks at us in the same way. Now, again, I don't want to trivialize or undermine or, or in any way uh, cut short some of the emotions that we face. Because I know that coming in here, we all have issues that we deal with. We all have hurts. We all have frustrations. We have insecurities. We have fears. We have things that come alongside us in life. And so what we do is as we come in life, it becomes so powerful. The emotions become so volatile for us. And I wonder sometimes if God isn't looking at us and sometimes at me and saying, hey, listen, listen, just relax. I got this. Look, you remember how big I am? Do you understand how big I am and how much I have this under control? Look at this verse from Philippians chapter four, verse seven. This is a great verse. It says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If there's one thing I think we need in this world so desperately, it's this idea of a peace that transcends all understanding. You see, just to be frank with you, sometimes we can't comprehend how big God is. But I don't think also we can truly comprehend the type of peace that transcends all understanding. Because it's a peace that goes beyond our hurts. It goes beyond all the emotional baggage that we have. And it's provided for us. And you know why? It's because God is bigger than the issues that you face in your life right now. And again, I'm not trying to trivialize anything you're dealing with. But the truth of the matter is, is that we serve an incredibly big God who is more powerful, who is stronger who has all of this in the palm of his hand. And so our response could just simply be to relax and to trust him. Over the past month or so, just for timing and for whatever whatever reason, I've been doing quite a bit of memorial services. Now some memorial services you do are, are fairly easy. And I say easy. Usually sometimes when you do a person who's been lived over a hundred years and, you know, they just experienced everything that life has to offer. And it's almost a celebration. You miss them. Yes. But it's one of those standpoint where you look back and say, you know, they lived a good life. But then there's the other side where you do face sometimes situations where, you know, you just think the words come out of your mouth. They're gone too soon. Or why did they have to suffer? Or, or, or the pain that, that just, you can tell, permeates through the crowd. And all I can say in those situations is, is really what I say to all of us. Is that in our world, when we're facing hurts, when we're facing everything that seems to be wrong in this world, when we look around in our own personal lives, in our own circumstances, and things just seem to be wrong, and, and truthfully, they probably are wrong, whether it's our doing or just the way world, the world is. What we hold on to, the hope that we have, is that one day everything that is wrong in this world, everything that is painful, everything that is hurtful, everything that seems to be so oppressive in this world, one day... God, the big God, will make everything right. And I want to say something to you. 
and I don't want this to come across wrong, but in about 50 to 60 years, earth time, every issue that you are facing right now, every one of them, the hardest to the easiest, the one that seems to be totally bringing you down, it's all going to be forgotten. Because we serve a big God who's not just interested in our time here on earth, but in reality has eternity, eternity in the palm of his hand. And he says to his children who are just frustrated thinking, oh God, she didn't sit with me at lunch today. And he's like, just relax. You can trust me. He's a big God, but also he's a gracious God. And again, grace is something I, I really don't think I even truly understand. When I was a kid, we had the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. And the word G-R-A-C-E, grace, kind of allowed us to understand that. And really, I don't even know if we truly understand God's riches that he has given to us. Again, the world is so negative. I mean, you turn anywhere and negativity sells. The negativity of this world where you can't get away from it. And a lot of times we think that that is the driving force. And the grace that God gives, though, is so much different than that, that I think we have to move ourselves to align ourselves to understand the grace that God gives to us, the wonderful riches that he bestows on us as followers of Jesus Christ. The grace is such a powerful force in our lives that when we understand it, then we're able to do what this next word is, is then we can just respond to it. When we understand grace, it enables us to respond. Look at this verse. It comes uh, from the Old Testament, from Psalm. It says, who am I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, I think grace has such a powerful ability to move us in certain directions, to soften our hearts, to allow us to see God for who he is. But we got to recognize what grace is. A couple of years ago, my daughter for Christmas, uh, it was Christmas day, she got this, this Lego set that was a knockoff Lego. Now, if you've ever done a knockoff Lego, um, there's two problems. The pieces don't go together well, and the instructions are horrible. So this is Christmas Day, Christmas morning. We go through all these, these, uh, these gifts. And then it's getting, it's getting kind of late at night. And she's like, I want to put this together. Now it was some Barbie thing that lit up like a dance floor. It's actually pretty cool looking uh, in the showroom. Uh, but when you get it together, she starts to put it together. She's just frustrated. You know how it is. You put one piece together and everything subsequently gets messed up. So she's just frustrated. I'm like, Andy, go to bed all right, just go to bed. You know, this isn't, this isn't helping anybody. This is the season of joy and happiness, and we're not experiencing it right now. <clears throat> so she's like, you know, I want to finish this. Now, those of you who had kids, you know what this, what this is. You know, she's all upset, and uh, she's, she's going to bed. I think she was crying. It was just one of those nights, and you've had those nights? Yeah, yes. Thank you for your honesty, you people. Uh, but she had one of those nights, so she's going to bed. I think she, I'm pretty sure she was mad at me. Um, and, and it was just one of those things. Now, I think when, when something like this happens between us and God, I think we think that God's reaction is, all right, you're going to do that? I'm going to show you who's boss because I am God. Now, as a parent, I can easily do that. I thought to myself, well, I'll show her. 
you want this Barbie set? You better act right. You're not going to see this thing till next Christmas. You know, I'll show you my authority here. You start talking to me like that, and then we'll, get, we'll see who's in charge here. And sometimes I think we think God works like that with us. Now, so she goes to bed. Everybody's asleep. Not a creature was stirring. No, that was the night before, but it was, <laughs> it was just one of those nights. Everybody's in bed, and so I'm faced with this, this mess on the floor. All these pieces that don't go together well. She put half of it together, and it was just a mess. So I felt like it was the weirdest thing. I thought, you know, I felt like God saying, you know, this is a moment to see how grace really works. So I thought, well, I don't really, I want to go to bed, God. He says, no, this is the way. So I thought, okay. So I pulled this whole thing apart. I don't remember how many pieces it was. And it was really a pain in the, in the tail to actually put this thing together. So finally, after a couple of hours, I get this thing. And it really looked pretty cool. So I got it together. I don't know how late it was. And I thought, you know what? This is the last thing she is going to expect. This is the last thing she's going to expect. She's going to expect to wake up and feel like she is just in trouble because of what she did. And so I put it there. I put it strategically so when she got up, she would have to see, see what, what, what happened. And I'll be honest with you. When she got up, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought, well, either, either it'll be, she won't even realize it or, you know, she'll just uh, do what she does or whatever. But I have never seen her kind of soften up so quickly to the realization that she was receiving something that she did not deserve. She'd give me a hard time this, the night before. It was one of those things, and I know she was tired. I get all that. But God showed me in that moment, you know, why do I think, why do I have this picture of God any different? Why can I not see through all of this to understand that God is so much more gracious than I could ever be to my young daughter by building a Lego set? And why do I not understand that to the point where if I did, if I really understood how gracious God would be, it would be similar to my daughter. My heart would soften. I would be able to align myself better underneath the authority of who he is, not because he is some powerful God who's putting me in in order or in line, but because he is a gracious God who loves me so much beyond what I deserve. He is a big gracious God, but he's also a merciful God, a merciful God. Mercy is the flip side of grace because where grace is that which was given to us, which we don't deserve, mercy is withholding that which we do deserve. In reality, when my daughter did this, you know, I, I, anybody would have had, would not have given me a hard time of having some kind of punishment for her. I mean, for, for the most part. When we look at scripture and we look who God is, God has every right to do with us what needs to be done, which is a separation from God. God is holy. God is just. God is a righteous God. Even in the book of Romans, when we hear about the penalty for what we do in life, for the way we are, for us coming short of God's standard, the result is always the same. The Bible just says the result or the wages of the consequences of our sin is death. It's a separation from God for eternity. And yet God withholds that through his mercy. The word here is just simply repent. Repent. Because how powerful is it to understand what we deserve in life and in death? 
what God has every right to give to us, and yet he withholds it. And it's not just like he just decided to withhold it. It was just some easy decision. The withholding, the mercy came at an incredible, incredible price, which was the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And when I totally get in alignment with that, when I start to understand just really how all of that fits together, I start to want to not live a life that is all about me. And you know, I struggle with this like everybody else does. It's like one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. But when I understand the mercy that God freely gives to me in spite of everything that I've done, will continue to do, it motivates me, it pushes me, it begs me to respond in a way where I repent, I turn away from the things that draw me away from God himself. One of my favorite verses comes from Romans chapter eight. It just simply says this, know in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including you, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is so powerful when we start to get a clear understanding, when it is almost as these planets align and we get to understand clearly who God is, a big, gracious, merciful God. You see, here we are living on this baseball. And there was one event that happened 2,000 years ago, which made all of this possible. In just a moment, we're going to be taking communion, which represents kind of the turning point. Because when Jesus Christ gave his life willingly for us, what that basically said is in, in this huge universe, in this huge solar system, God looked upon this little baseball and, and on this speck of dust and this little portion of it, what he saw was his creation that he loved so much. And while God is so powerful and he holds everything in the palm of his hand, he also holds you personally in the palm of his hand. And don't ever miss the realization of how much God truly, truly loves you to where he can be so big and so powerful, but yet on the other hand, he can be so powerful that he can personally be so gracious and merciful to you. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that a God who is so powerful cares so much about these little people spinning on this baseball. But his word says he does. And the more we align ourselves to the understanding of the bigness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the more we can come together and then worship. Worship becomes an outflowing of this. It's not really that we gear ourselves up about worship. Hey, can you show me the song list to see if I'm going to be able to worship today? It's nothing like that. This is a response 
to a God who is God by people who are not God. So this morning, as we take communion, I'm going to ask that you hold the elements in your hand, the bread and the cup, the bread representing the body of Christ and the cup representing the blood of Christ. And the band's going to do a, a song. And as they do, I just want you to just focus in to ask God to align your thoughts, your mind, your heart, everything to the fact of God as God, a big, gracious, merciful God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for who you are. It's so easy to forget and get lost in it sometimes, but the bottom line is no matter how we feel, you are God and you love us. Thank you so much for who you are and bless our time as we reflect on just the reality, the tangible nature of that when you gave your son, Jesus Christ, and he laid down his life for us. In your son's name, amen.